0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: the chels is backed for the season by ladbrooks hello and welcome to the chels we're back and i'm back because i've been away um but somebody
2: who's also been away has been mr gary hayes have you been away no you just didn't use me last week, thank you, because you had Neil Spy Barnett on. Oh yeah, Cheers. I haven't been
1: away at all, have I? I was no. here last week. Hello, it's me again, two weeks running. Um,
2: yeah, you... Oh, are you, are you all envious? Yes. Well, no, I felt, you know, yeah, green I, I felt eyes. used. I felt like I was on the scrap heap, so now I'm sat in Andy's chair tonight, feeling all powerful and like an alpha again. <laughs> yeah, an alpha what? <laughs> Female. <laughs> okay,
1: fair enough, that's interesting. Um, and welcoming him back, because he's been... He has been away for some time. Uh, it's Mr. Robert Ray.
0: Good evening. Been very busy with the news. Have you? Very
1: busy. Has, has there been lots of good news for you? Uh, not
0: lots of good news. It's all been about Brexit and Trump. So there uh, you go.
1: Have you got any good suppressed news that you haven't told anyone?
0: <laughs> I wish. No. no uh, we, um, everything gets tweeted out these days. Do, <laughs> Nothing it's weird. Gets
1: weird. Do, do you think in the old days there was picking and choosing, when you had to pick the stories and certain things, wouldn't get suppressed, but would kind of get moved to the side,
0: whereas now everything just seems to that's go out. The truth. I mean, that's sort of part of my job used to be, you know, sort of what gets in the agenda and what in news agenda and what doesn't now it's you know anything sort of you know with a sniffer of news in it you know we bung it out as quickly as possible
1: yeah and i suppose you know some is for tv some is for radio that story's perfect for online it's kind of weird news has different
0: values oh yes that's correct
1: well talking of news i suppose you'll be you know keeping an eye on how all the uh, news uh, presenters pronounce surnames because it is that time it's the end of the transfer window coming up do you get involved in the sports side of it too much
0: i don't know but we do i do try and sort of um help out with pronunciations and stuff although you know as we as we well know hugh edwards does have problems with some chelsea players and uh you know
1: (laughs) yeah well it's it's interesting you were talking about that earlier weren't you gary i
2: know i was just flabbergasted that can i call you rob
0: you certainly can that Rob oh, just, you know, told forward. him how to
2: pronounce it, and Hugh went, you know, phonetically with what Rob told him, and it just <laughs> screwed it up. The best Classic football Chelsea fan over there. I will
0: tell <laughs> you what, the best football pronunciation I've ever heard was uh, Martin Lewis of in Days Gone By, who pronounced Dundee United's ground as Tanadiche Park.
2: Tannadice. <laughs> or there is it's non-Chelsea um, related as well. But um, when Kevin Phillips tried to pronounce Guilfi Sigurdsson, I think it was the last time we saw being a pundit. He called him. Um, Sylphie Gerdson or something like that. It was really funny, actually. It's good. I'm, it was a i few am years ago, to the
0: pronunciation of Albama uh, Yang? Ab- 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 ya- ya- Yang. Yang. That's going to that's gonna fox a few people, I think. Albama um, Yang and Mikatarian playing the same side. I've done even try with Mikatarian. I mean, well, you've done it. See, look, you're <laughs> fine. I'm, that's because I'm copying Gary.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. There's see, other if things, if just, only I was there for you that night. You know, I mean, Gary is a master of accents and pronunciation. Articulate. To, yeah, art. <laughs> articulate you know, articulated you know can turn his head all the way around 360 but um it it, it, it does make me laugh though because when you hear some of the commentators just get players names wrong it drives me nuts i who was it the other day was commentating on chelsea and couldn't say Batshuayi three times in a row the same way um and was it think, chris sutton yeah it might have been actually. It was on sunday yeah i think it was and it, you Although know.
2: To, to be fair to him, I was listening to his. You couldn't quite say that thing. To be <laughs> fair,
0: but um, I thought he's got better as well. Yeah, he's not quite better so. as. A, there's some really obvious ones as well. I mean, I remember which comed- which um, commentator had a problem comedian with- comedian. Which commentator he had a problem with Drogba, and it was always drug bar. Oh, John no, Watson. It was John Watson. Was that's, John w- right. That's, right. Bar. that's right. Yeah, no, that's true. And actually. I always have a problem with Mourinho, which was weird. Cause
1: well, it's very and nobody, easy, really. And nobody ever categorically says either Jose or Jose. Yes, that's the one.
2: That's <laughs> the real bugbear. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. And I just don't understand it. He said it
2: enough. We should yeah. know. How would you say it? Jose.
1: Yeah. How would you say it? Jose. Oh, Ooh. Jose. <laughs> it should be a bit more clipped from what i'm told okay well I, I quite like that sort of uh round of pronunciation but maybe we should go back in time to uh last week when we went to that place the red and white place in north london you know with with a nice nil nil supposedly because we felt we could score and
2: we did but what do we think of it it was a it was a funny old it was a night. positive start i was there were you there? No, I'm a plastic. <laughs> no. I, I was there in the away end because um, my good friend Ed um, sorted us out some tickets in the in the home. As I say the away in the home end, so I was sat right behind the dugouts with all the Arsenal fans, which was difficult. But um, I thought the, the first 15 minutes we looked good, and when we scored, um, when Hazard scored, Pedro just had that header ruled out, um, and obviously you don't see it on TV, but as the players are walking back to the halfway line when the Chelsea players were celebrating over in the corner, you could just see their heads down and they were arguing with each other and Wilshere was arguing with Xhaka about who was in the correct position. And it, it just seemed to be an, a, a performance of old from Chelsea. You know, like when we went there with, with Drogba and they would just collapse. And I remember in um, 2008, we went there with Hiddink and I think we won 4-1 and Drogba completely bossed them that season as well. And it just seemed one of those Arsenal performances of old where this time of year team, teams are maybe expecting a little bit from them they turn up and, and completely collapse but then they got that lucky break and it was obviously you know Ch- Chelsea the second half they they're outperformed by Arsenal but two goals that were deflections and just sort of fell on their plate but I thought overall that Chelsea didn't deserve
0: to lose Did we miss a trick not playing with a proper striker though because um, it does leave you a bit sort of um, lacking in Forward I, thrust.
1: If you I, need I a think goal. you're right. I think
0: you're right. I, I
1: think, you know, it's, it's ironic because, you know, Brighton a few days earlier, the flicks and tricks and all those lovely things where you go, it wouldn't matter who's playing up front, we're playing wonderfully well. They were wow. working. And against Arsenal, none of those little flicks around the corner were working. Uh, Gary's got his hand up. We'll come to you. Yeah. Don't worry. But, um, you, you know, I, I think there is something to be said for giving a focal point to the team i think you're right um so yeah it's interesting we've just got to take a quick break and then we'll get back to hear what gary has to say sign up and deposit up to 50 pounds and Labrooks will put the same amount into your account giving up to 50 pounds worth of free bets follow the link to Chelsea podcast .net. Now I know you've been waiting with bated breath because Gary's got something to say
2: about the flicks and tricks and playing without a Hold my breath all ad break and blue. Um, but what, what I was going to say about that with, with the strikers is that a lot was made um, after the game, which I thought was poor from a journalist's perspective where Conte said... Um, you know, a big issue for him is that when he looked to the bench, the only sub he had was Ross Barkley and everyone took it as a, it was twisted in a way of him suggesting that I only had Ross Barkley and he's not good enough. He's not a player that I want. Whereas it was more a case of I looked to the bench and the only other attacker to replace Willian as a like-for-like is Barkley who not only hasn't played for eight months, but he's going to be playing out of position and really he's only been at Chelsea for three weeks and as we know, Conte likes to bed his new signings in and get them to work tactically in his system. Um, But I, I, I thought that, you know, he didn't bring Batshuayi on earlier then because he had gone there with a game plan and in the same way that um, when we played City early on in the season and uh, Maratta went off injured after about 25, 30 minutes, wasn't it? And then he brought Willian on and there was a big, you know, furore around that move and I think it was a case of he had a game plan of how he wanted to play and he didn't want to bring Batshwai on because had he did... You nearly said yeah, I, I, I nearly But I, I, had he done that, I think it would have changed the whole perspective of the way that he wanted that side to play. Whereas he wanted to play with those three attackers that allowed Chelsea to be more fluid in attack. And I think that for all the positives that we've seen of Batshuayi in the last couple of weeks, his link-up play isn't good enough for Chelsea to break on teams a lot and I was in the fortunate position of virtually being on the halfway line seeing the way Chelsea were trying to play and you could see it from the outset with those quick transitions and turnovers that with Bachelorette playing that attacking three wouldn't have been as fluid and I think that you see when he came on he was only on for like 20 minutes or so but he had six touches of the ball and I think that just I know it was a different game by that stage as well and Arsenal were were 2-1 up and I guess in the ascendancy but I think you look at what he was trying to do that Barkley fitted that more but obviously he didn't have another attacking sub to play. So I, think I think the that's problem why with Barkley,
0: I think the real problem with Barkley is not that he's a bad player or anything, but the system we play, when we play three four three, it's a very demanding system and it involves everybody knowing exactly what they're supposed to do. Now, Barkley's only been there, what, two, three weeks and he's supposed to sort of pick all that up and the other players have had months um, or even, you know, a year and a half to sort of uh, work out what the system is. Uh, and I don't think he could have been expected um, to perform the role he was being asked to do. So I think sometimes I can understand that Conte had a game plan, um, but when you have an injury, which is to a crucial player of, in that game plan, sometimes you've got to rethink it, and sometimes you've got to say, OK, fair enough, let's try something else. And I know we, we're a bit hamstrung because, of the you know, the, the squad's well, small. Well, and sparkly. we as <laughs> not And brilliant, um, And William But, you know, we, 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 and I know we don't have the, the options that we might otherwise have available to us but you know you've got to think sometimes um that, that that maybe you've got to have you've got to go to a plan b earlier than Conte sometimes does I think though to change your system I, I don't agree or disagree with him
2: but I think to change your system you can see the logic in it to think with what was it 20 minutes after William went off something like that to change your system so early in the game I think that you know, that they had, they had yeah, a game plan where Batshuayi would have been used at some point. I think to change it was 70 minutes left. Yeah, but you've got, you got to look at what you've got. If you haven't got yeah, the sure. personnel to do it... I, 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 I understand, would... but I just think at the same time that you can see the logic behind his thinking in that yeah, okay, Chelsea were playing well at that flawed. point. They were in control. They're one nil up. I think they were one nil up at the time. And um, was it 1-0? It was 1-0, yeah. Okay, yeah, but, but still, you know, Ch- Chelsea were in a commanding position in that game regardless of the scoreline and to go and change it and bring... Batshuayi on that early you're suddenly losing what you're you know because you look at what he did in the FA Cup semi-final against Spurs last year that that was a a a pivotal moment you know pivotal decision in having Hazard and Kostel on the bench because had things gone wrong he would have been criticised for it but then everything goes to plan Costa and Hazard come on when Chelsea have played a certain way to keep them not only in the game but ahead of Spurs and then the, you know, they completely change the game in Chelsea's favour all the more and I think that maybe he's playing the 90 minutes rather than the first 20. So when a player comes off like that, he's looking at the, the 90 minutes rather than just chucking a player in and sometimes I like managers to do that because I think they've got a method, they're trying to stick to it sometimes it doesn't always work though. No.
1: Yeah, I, I just think sometimes you've got to respond to the situation as it unfolds and you know, I, I I have to say, I, I I thought it was awful the way, you know, people have talked about Barkley. You know, I mean, this kid's been out with a very serious injury I think you were telling me that supposedly the hamstring was hanging off the bone yeah yeah a really bad injury it was a really bad injury so you know um, excuse me but yeah. and when he came on he was always running around like a headless chicken he went no he was really trying to impress you know okay he ended up going into the hoarding he ended up making a foul within the first minute and what have you but it was just keenness trying to show that he was committed he didn't know quite what to do but as you were
2: saying you know these players have learnt over months and months you know he's been there for days what I thought was really funny was um when William pulled up um Conte's assistant um sent him to warm up and within 10 seconds they realised William was having to come off it was um Alessio um God, I forget his name Alessio anyways Alessio always gets the abuse from Conte and it happened um one game last season he joked and said oh yeah um, he needs to have a, a counsellor because of me because he gets all the abuse um But he, um, yeah, so we sent him to warm up and then 10 seconds later, they're barking, come back, come back, come back. And then because he didn't get out of his tracksuit within one second, Conte was just tearing him a new one. Uh, So, you know, I guess he's going on, he's feeling that pressure and he's in a new surroundings. He hasn't played for eight months and he didn't look great, but he didn't look that bad either. And we we spoke about it earlier, didn't we? About, um, you know, his delivery from corners. It was a little bit hit and miss, but I think his delivery overall wasn't too bad apart from the most vital one at the very very end fails to clear the first man and Conte's the look of disgust on his face when that happened
1: i mean what, what do you think if there is a problem we have with corners they're either utterly brilliant and that's very rare
0: or they just hit the first man somebody texted me on saturday to say um uh, sunday rather sorry the newcastle game say is it just me or have we have we not done a bad corner all game and it yeah. was true it's the first game i can remember where we didn't we didn't play a bad corner. Partly, I think it's because um, when Fabregas isn't in the team, we don't play short corners so much, um, thank God, um, because our short corner routine is absolutely atrocious. Um but, we, yeah, we are not. We're, funnily enough, although we think we're not that good at taking corners, we actually scored a few goals from corners. Yeah,
1: no. Uh, when we get it right, we've got the people to attack it. That's mm. what's frustrating. You know, we've got some big boys in there who will get on the end of it. So, you know, but it's gone on for so long. It's gone on oh as long God, as the, I can the sh- remember. The, the thing is, is just the short corner
0: drives me nuts oh, as well. You, I, we I, telegraph I, I, it. We absolutely telegraph. It. And the moment we do it, you know, Fabregas runs towards Hazard or the other way around, and you can tell what's going And two defenders come with them because they know exactly what's going to happen. And the short corner comes. And there's no plan about what to do with it once once it just gets played back between the two of them and eventually a cross comes over or it doesn't come over it's like if you're gonna use the short corner a use it irregularly so nobody's expecting it or B, know what you're gonna do with it you know what you're gonna do with that ball yeah. I like the way Chelsea have shown a bit more um,
2: ingenuity on set pieces short corners or you know different free kicks I like that because it shows they're working on the training ground to to work at you know di- different aspects of the game because it is so frustrating when you see something go wrong like that because for managers, they can't control much in,
0: in the open game but set pieces they can, which see, is why... I wish that were true. I don't think we are working on it. When I, when I watch our short corners, there doesn't seem to be any thinking about it other than... I think well, that's more a communication thing with the players. Maybe. But, I think but they are. It's the same with the free kicks and the free kick thing has bugged me for years. We get, we get a free kick and we take it quick and short and it's like, but nobody's in position to sort of take advantage of that ball. Play a quick free kick if you want that's fine. But do it when you've got the advantage to do it. But I think they
2: you know, so it wasn't so much a short corner, but um, it was in the first half. They, uh, No, sorry. Yeah, in the first half against Arsenal. And um, they tried one to the edge of the box, but they just didn't put enough... You know, uh, I don't know, it, 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 I think it was Hazard took it, didn't get enough purchase on the ball to to get to canter on the edge of the box and then asked him how to break away from it. But I just like seeing that where teams are working on the training ground and I think they are working on it because you can see they're trying a lot more on set pieces. But it's one of those moments in matches where managers can control what goes on. And you, you see Allardyce, you know, dined out on that with Bolton, you know, the way they, they were not so much set piece masters, but, you know, even Pulis at Stoke, you know, I'm comparing Conte to Pulis here. Go on, what we we'll are do. Be really careful um, but, where you're going d- d- with d- this. You know, you know the point I'm making? I, I just like seeing that with players where they're not just hitting hope all the time. But um, the one thing I was going to say about corners as well is this is something we've spoken about. I don't know if you remember actually because it's been a couple of times. But, well, I don't um, actually listen to you. Well, it, it was in the car and I think you were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be right. But um, I, I find, and speaking to players, they say the same thing, is that if you've got a player taking a corner from the right side of the pitch is left footed. He'll produce a better corner. And the right sided player from the left side of the pitch will produce a better corner. And the reason being is because if they're going from their side, so the left side player is doing an outswinger or the right player is doing an outswinger, they can't get the run up on the pitch because on the edge of the pitches now, they have um, turf, so 3G turf to help with the drainage off the pitch. And that affects the player's run up because when they're running on it, they can't get the same but um, yeah no but they, they can't get the same rhythm. yeah exactly so, yeah. They went, so they're, going, they're crossing over from 3G onto grass so they can't get a run up whereas when they're doing it from the back they're running from grass onto the ball mm-hmm. and if you watch it that's a lot of the time it happens and you speak to players and they complain because they're almost ta- taking corners from standing still positions would it be better if they went to 4G
0: what did i say 3g 4g it's It's all the same
1: thing never mind we'll move on quickly Uh, (laughs) that's me so but were you disappointed with the second half in particular yes
0: i was it was very flat um I missed most of the first half, in fact, because I was at a dinner party and I couldn't get away in time. Oh, know, know, a thing to How tell was us, the cheese, I darling! <laughs> <laughs> I managed to get away after the first course. Um, so I did watch this. I did watch the second half, and I was I was disappointed because I, I read what we were doing in the first half, and all the, all the reports seemed to be that we were on top. And and then suddenly, I'm watching this team, and it, it, it just looked very flat. Um, I didn't think we were bad. I just thought flat, not aggressive enough, not enough bites. I thought Arsenal cope with this very well, um, and once they'd scored, I don't think that I, I, I couldn't see a way back into it for us, um, which is which is a shame, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there was there seemed to be no sort of cohesion. It just it just fell away. The performance. It was almost like when they equalized. It was sort of like such surprise. And it was it was one of those you know Oh, the luck of that goal. goal right? One game, way out. Goal, was some
2: front claiming that goal. Yeah, it comes off Alonso. It comes off Rudiger. Goes in. It's just one of those things that okay, you have to accept that happens, but. Absolutely. That, that was exactly one of those goals. There's not a
1: lot you can do about it. It just happened. But the reaction to it was was poor. And I think that's probably what does Conte's head in the most. Yeah. Is, you know, everything is about action and reaction. And we saw no real reaction throughout. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was just a case of William was really the wrong player to lose at the time. Because I think what we've seen recently is that William getting back into the side again a bit more it allows hazard to terrorize down one side it allows william to terrorize in a very different way in a more direct sort of way down the other and frees up the center a lot more for people to work with and run into and what have you william when he goes there is no one there is no one quite like william at our club anyway i don't care what anyone says i know you know some would say his final products not so good but I just think he's evolved as a player in the last couple of years. And and I think we really miss him. That's why I've never liked, because Gary's been talking a lot over the last few weeks, this five-man midfield, which basically means you've got a striker and Hazard up top and the three disappears. I think that's what, has been the greatest shame of all, is that William has lost out a lot and then
0: expect him to
1: come on the bench and, you know, turn things
0: around Same when it's necessary. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I don't think yeah. the, the, um, the, the five-man move field works for us. I think it, you know, it isolates the centre-forward. I think it's one of the reasons Alonso's had so much problem, uh, Alonso, Morata's um, Marata. had so much problem is because um, he's isolated a lot of the time. He's, you know, he's, he's got a, he's beating two or three players before he even gets to the penalty area. Yeah. Um, it doesn't allow hazard as much freedom because he gets he- more heavily marked um that's why i think the 343 three works better for us um and you can see defences when we play that and when we when we play with three people running at a defence you can see defences panic yeah. as they did as the brighton defence did as the newcastle defence did on saturday when we when we tried it to them they can't cope with it and that's why i'd always play that system yeah, just uh, just on this
2: arsenal defeat as well that we can point to um you know willian going off injured and that being a you know a huge negative for Chelsea. But I know this is a Chelsea podcast, but I am a journalist, so I look at things maybe not so um, as partisan. But I think a lot of credit needs to go to Arsene Wenger because something that a lot of people haven't spoken about is that he started that game with Xhaka, Elneny, and Wilshere in the middle. He started with three defensive midfielders at home in a cup semi-final. And that is shows that, you know, the way he's worked out how to play against his Chelsea side. And it wasn't working in the first 20. Okay, William goes off. and Then what did he do in the second half? Elneny dropped deeper into defence and they went at Chelsea a little bit more with more width, allowed those full backs to get forward more. And they nullified the threat of Chelsea in the end. And he, he saw things in the game and he changed things tactically. Now, whether that was him reacting to William going off and realising what was happening with Barkley so that he changed it at half-time, but he changed things at half-time as well, which gave Arsenal that platform to go on and, and win the game. I don't, I don't think they were deserved winners. I don't think they came out of where you could say, I think if Chelsea had won 2-1, Arsenal could have maybe felt aggrieved that they lost. And I think the same with Chelsea. I think mean, it was a fairly even game, but they just got the breaks. But I think that Wenger impacted this game a lot more than Conte did.
1: I agree. I think tactically, he saw opportunities, worked out certain things um, beforehand and during the game. And again, I would say he was far more reactive yeah. And I think... Um,
2: and it, it shows Antonio as well with, with the fact that, you know, he he beat Mourinho's Chelsea once in the in the 15 games they played against them, something and like that. now
0: they're our damn bogey yeah. side. Ever since Hazard destroyed them in that league game last season. Well, yeah. but even
2: before that, though, they beat us 3-0. Oh, bef- yeah, but that was...
0: Yeah, but... That was when we no, were... just no, I mean, I mean, So last season, they beat us... They beat 3-0. Yeah, but that was we didn't work our season out. We took them apart. As I took them apart in that, and the in the the return match, ever since then they've worked us out. Yeah, ever since then they've worked out in players. That's the perfect segue into something
2: actually, because in that game we beat them three-one, and they scored a ninetieth-minute goal from one Olivier Giroud. There you go. Well, we are going to talk about
1: him when we come back after this break. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. And here we are back. So, I, of course, you'll be hearing this later, so you'll know for certain, but uh, it looks as though we may well have signed uh, Giroud from Arsenal uh, for £18 million. I don't know if that will turn out to be true or not. Um,
0: Giroud, what do we think? As a backup, he's okay. He scores a few goals. Um, I'm not... Entirely sure he's the sort of player we ought to be um, pursuing, but I mean, given the fact that you know they they they, they were pursuing sort of Crouch and Carroll, I mean, it's a welcome. If that's true. It's it's like um, weird. I'm, I'm assured it is true. Yeah, it's weird. They though, were isn't it? so um, in in that sense, it comes as a bit of a relief. The only bad thing is it means Arsenal then sign Abamyang and they've got a, you know a 60 million pound striker who's actually one of the best in the world. We've got Giroud, but he's trouble with Abamyang. He he's is meant trouble. to be. <laughs>
1: perfect for Arsenal I love it I think it's a perfect signing for them and you know how will that affect Lacazette who for me has not really done it this season yet um I think it's interesting I think Giroud I actually think he's a a, a better player than people give him credit for I don't think you know Arsenal play to him the right way and I'm sure that we probably won't either um but it's very interesting that we're going for these big target men
2: suddenly well up until five o'clock today I thought it was an Anne, which is french for donkey but now he's signed for chelsea is a great striker um <laughs> <laughs> i just googled that um well no, I, I, I think that crouch was ridiculous and i don't think there was any substance to that and when you see where that was coming from initially that you could see yeah there wasn't any substance to it and it was just a you know crazy transfer story obviously carol that had legs and i could see the the logic in that I think with Giroud, you can see the same. You know, If he's coming to accept the position that he's got at Arsenal, that Morata's the main man and he needs to, you know, he's only going to be playing 30 minutes here and there, then I think it's a good signing. But on top of that, because of Arsenal's failures last season, he's not cup-tied for the Champions League.
0: The only logic about chasing Carroll is if you're going to boil him down for glue because that's all he's useful for. <laughs> well, to stick Morata together because he's currently injured.
2: But um, I, I do think that for what Chelsea are trying to do, I thought Carroll, you know, I didn't see a problem with it. He, he, he wasn't a player that was going to be starting every week and it's the same as Giroud. I think that you've seen enough that when Arsenal have, you know, put balls into the box, he causes problems. He's done it against Chelsea. Look what he did, you know, last season we talk about him coming on, Chelsea trying to keep clean, clean sheet, he scores, you know, we win 3-1. Who changed the cup final? Giroud comes on, within the first minute, crosses for Ramsey to score, you know. So I think that, He's a player that's got some value, and I think that in this current market,
0: eighteen million. He's used to the Premier League. <laughs> I, th- we, I think it'd be a good buy. Are we worried that, that presumably means bats is off to Dortmund? Unless which, we're going to keep three strikers. Now I've been, I've, been a, said after I've the been game... I've been a real critical batschway all the season because I'd, I I mean, I'd watch him play, and the number of times you know he, he he fails to lose his defenders, he doesn't seem to work out. Um, doesn't seem to work out where the space is at all up front. So I've been I've been very critical of him until the last two games, and I thought yeah. he was absolutely brilliant against Bright, uh, Brighton. I thought he and Hazard and um, William were working working yeah. together beautifully. He played really well against Newcastle. I mean, I, don't know, I know the goal, the second goal was a bit lucky, but he still he got himself in a position to do that. He was working really well with Hazard, and I, I looked at him and I thought, actually, we could keep him. You know, he, he's beginning to look as if he actually understands how to play in the system. Um, I'd love it if we kept three strikers. I don't think we're going to though. We should
2: but just just on batch wine. it was something that we sort of briefly spoke about at, at the weekend but I just think that yeah he's, he's done well to change the conversation you know until 10 days ago he was out the door he wasn't going to be playing and then Brighton wasn't a great performance and I was there with Andy watching it and you, there was a lot that he did off the board that I don't know whether you could see on TV but there was a lot that was really frustrating about him but then when it against Newcastle the first goal it was just, you could see the way he peels off the back of the defender to get into that space for Alonso to, you know, the way he read the play, that he thought Alonso might not get to this to have a shot. So he just drops back, gets in that position, keeps himself on side. You know, maybe Batshuayi of last season would have got excited and run into the offside position to to get on the end of it. But I think he's done he's done well to change that conversation. And the second goal of his isn't, you know... I thought it was a bit disingenuous to him but saying oh it was it was luck it wasn't he got himself in that position he exploited the space behind when Kieran Clark goes forward you know and he, he just drops into that
0: position and mm. just makes that run to get onto the ball you well, know? he started the move off as well yeah, I mean, it was his little back heel or sort of off his hip or something that has yeah. all up in the, in the in the in the first place and I think he played really well my, my one concern with him see and we I guess we'll talk
2: about it later on but we've got Bournemouth this week in the league and play him against Bournemouth you know because you want to occupy their defence which is a poor defence and he seems to be getting confident and he's scoring the sort of goals that confident strikers score he's getting in the right position He's a, he's a penalty spot striker yeah, he, he needs
1: is. to be in there you he's not one of those he's not going to be able to hold the ball up for you while everyone joins you and then feed it off he'll do a nice little flick and things but don't ask him to be the target man he's not that kind that's of guy
0: that's problem with a 3-5-2 again it relies exactly. on the target yeah, man exactly. it relies on him you know, holding the ball have, up yeah.
2: and you, you saw it early on in the season against Drewed Burnley on the, other on, on the opening day and he yeah. couldn't do it yeah. but the, the one thing with him though is it's a concern about better defences that he had that good game against Newcastle, but then midweek he came off the bench against Arsenal. Like I said earlier, he got like six touches of the ball and he was just completely,
0: you know, he just disappeared. He didn't have any impact on that game. Yeah, but you've got to remember, the vast majority of our games are against shit defences. Oops, I'm not allowed to say that, am I? Yeah, Bad okay. defences. Okay. Um, because... This isn't you know, the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think I remember Hullet saying something about, you know, sort of half our games are against mediocre opposition. And, 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 he's, and he was right. Um, so you can play... Players like Batchawi, they might struggle against, you know, the Man Uniteds, the Man Cities, whatever. But they're not going to struggle against Brighton and Bournemouth, and you can play them.
2: No, I, I, I understand that. Look here, because obviously, by playing against those worst teams, he, he will become a better player. But I just think for where Chelsea are right now in this season, is that if Giroud does eventually come in, which obviously will be confirmed post this this show going out, but he will definitely be the third striker, and he, he we won't see much of him if, if he does stay. But because I think where Chelsea are right now. You've got the last push in the league. I think there's 13 games to go. They're still in the FA Cup. You've got the Champions League coming up and you want a striker that you can rely upon. And now's not the time to be, you know, basically putting Batshuayi in there when you're not sure what he's going to get. Because you, you look at what he's done and what he did against Newcastle was impressive. And then you think back to early on the season when he came off against Atletico. Yeah, game, well, you know, changed, I mean... Well, he didn't change the game, but he won the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he has had his moments. Um, I would suggest that if he stays... It's because we've got real problems with Murata. I think maybe there are more injury concerns about Murata. You look; he's had series of of injuries now this season. It's not just one thing that keeps playing up. It's all sorts of things. So I, I think there is genuine concern. I think we'll keep
0: Batchwi because there is other issues. There is. I mean, Murata's problems with injury relate back to our squad. You know, he because if if if, if we as we are you know, led to believe um, Conte doesn't trust Batshuayi to play in a regular role and I think that's right that he doesn't. That means Morata's got to play every single game. Yep. Injured or not, you know, you've got to rush him back from injury. If he's out for a hamstring, rushing back after three weeks. It's so what Liverpool never, did with Torres. Ever, yeah, and you never keep people fit that way. No. I think
2: as well though that there's a,
0: an adjustment period
2: that he's undergoing. You know, you look at Costa in his first season, he was all, always in and out. He used hamstrings and then in that second year, even though it went pear-shaped with him and Jose, he was playing more because he was fitter, because, the you know, the medical staff had him sorted. So I think that's another issue as well, that he's playing more football now than he ever has in his career, and he's adjusting to a new a new league that's far more physical. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's absolutely right, you know. So I think there's all sorts of things um, afoot at Chelsea, as there always are, you know. The one thing is, it's never dull. But um, But, yeah, I mean, moving on to Newcastle, I mean, it was... It was standard cup fodder in the in the end, wasn't it? It Thought it might be a bit more difficult than it actually was. It's pretty straightforward. Um, what was there to really take from it, other than a decent performance against lower opposition?
0: It was nice watching Benitez get humiliated again. That's always fun. <laughs> um, it was, you know, it was, it was, you know, they pressed us for twenty minutes. We scored a goal. Um, they never looked like getting back in it. Not really. I don't think they. Not much of a chance, as as, as I recall. Um, and then when it came to the second half, there was only one team in it. And it was just a question of how... I mean, one team was going to win it. Um, and it was nice watching us extend our domination slowly by slowly until... I mean, it, by the end, it was practically all the play was, was ours anyway. Um, there was a point in the first half when I was getting a bit sick of us giving the ball away. In our own half, which yeah. we which we and tend that's to do. Batswari was a part of that as well. he was, but the second half we did we we just stopped doing that completely. We just looked so much better than them; it was um, it was ridiculous. I like so. Benitez. I don't like seeing him humiliated. Really, yeah. me—that's a controversial. I know thing, it is. I, I don't really I, care.
1: I
2: just actually. think when he came in five years ago, I think he did a good job. No, I'll, I'll, I'll agree
0: with that, but I don't like him anyway. Well, I, I, okay, I, 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 it's not, what I don't like—it's not the Liverpool connection so much; it's the way that he believes he's better than he actually is. I can understand that but what, what I mean
2: about him is that I think there's a lot of you know Chelsea fans don't like him because of what happened with Liverpool and then when he came in at the club he replaced a legend in Di Matteo but I think that I look at what he did at Chelsea and because of that you know I just look at him, it's not so much I'm fond of him but I don't look back at that season that Chelsea had as a great season or a season that you know, you want to be remembering, but I think he did a good job. He came in at a time he where... He a holding job. Yeah, he needed to stabilise the club. It was club. a bit of
1: a hitting, wasn't it, yeah, really? Yeah, exactly.
2: It was a less popular hitting, but then what he did, he got Chelsea into the cup semi-final, which they lost against City. I think City... Didn't they win the league that season? Oh, can't remember. No. no, maybe United. No, no, it was United because yeah. it was Fergie's last season, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Um, but... But yeah, no, I, I, you know. Anyway. But I, 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 just, I just think he did a good job. he won the Europa League, you know, and and what he did is he set that side up that he didn't leave it in a perfect condition, but he set that side up for Jose to come in, inherited a team that was, you know, on its way out a little bit that needed to be changed. But he did a good enough job to to leave things in a half decent position. But what I didn't like is the way he treated Terry and Lampard. But obviously the club's bigger than Terry and Lampard, so I don't really hold that against him. Yeah, Still no, don't uh,
0: like him.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
2: But, uh, you know, I mean, it, we we did
1: a job against Newcastle. It's lovely. We've now got another thrilling game in the cup to come with Hull at home. Hull. Oh. Uh, I tell you, oh. I mean, it, th- this fifth round draw, it has to be the world's worst. When people are telling you, Wigan Man City, that's a thriller. No, it actually isn't. So, you know, what can you do?
2: Can I just um, make a point about ah, the, the Newcastle game? Is this right. your serious point that yes, you've been this dying is to get point, to? Right. So this, this, is a, this is something I don't think has been spoken about a lot because we get caught up in you know, the, the hyper hyperbole of... Well, I you say nearly it. said yes. hyperbole. Um, of, ...of transfers and the amount of money Chelsea is spending and whether Conte's doing a good job and you've got the hashtag Conte out brigade, you've got the hashtag Conte in brigade... I think there's a point that's gone missing and that people haven't really looked at maybe because of every, you know, all the noise going on. And it's this idea of Chelsea being in transition still and him winning the title last season really papered over the cracks and whether that has done him harm in the long term because maybe the club looking and think, okay, because when Jose got sacked... You know, they made the point of we've got a team that's good enough to be challenging, etc., etc. And whether there is a belief, a belief at the at the top of the club that you know Chelsea should be with the resources they've got, you know, going on and competing with City still, regardless of how much they're spending. But then you look at that team that, that finished the game on Sunday, and out of out of those eleven players there, you had Hudson Adoy, Barkley, Ampadu, um. Drinkwater, Christensen, Zappa Costa, Rudiger and Caballero weren't at the club last season or they weren't playing games. I've I know, Okay, we know Hudson-Odoi yeah. was, he was a youth team player, but eight players out of 11 that weren't you know, playing matches for Chelsea last season. That's a massive turnaround in playing personnel. And then what you do is you go back two years and you look at Jose's last game in charge against Leicester and out of the 11 players that started that match, how many of them started against Newcastle on Sunday? One. One. Yeah. Eden Hazard. Yeah. That was a good guess, wasn't it? And I think if you look at, in two years, for that transition to happen that rapidly, and for Chelsea to have won the title last year and come to within 90 minutes of doing the double, I think speaks volumes for Conte's ability as a coach. But also, I think it's sort of a reality check of where Chelsea are. Now, obviously, it's a bit frustrating as as Chelsea fans when you're used to the club spending so much money in the past and suddenly now they're being, you know, Pep Guardiola is coming close to spending half a billion pounds in charge at City, and that's just
0: in his defence.
2: Yeah, you know, and there's talk today of you know they've already already signed Laporte, and then there's talk of another sixty million and going to Mara. So you look and you think, okay, this is a bit disconcerting because we feel like we're being left behind. But just take stock rather than looking at other clubs, look at what Chelsea have got and look at what Chelsea are trying to build. And and it was a point I touched upon a few weeks ago that I didn't really go into that much depth about on on the pod. As I said that you know Chelsea created this. know, with Abramovich in 2003, Chelsea created football as we know it now. And in terms of these mega transfer fees, since Chelsea came in, it's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger every summer. And Chelsea were the, you know, the the founding fathers of that. You know, I know Real Madrid were doing it in the past, but Chelsea really, you know, made non-elite clubs being able to do it. But then you look now where Chelsea are, and I think maybe they're ahead of the curve a little bit in that... City are doing what Chelsea did 10 years ago, where it's like, okay, we could buy this player for 40 million, but we just want to get the deal over the line. We can afford 60, right, bang, 60 million done. We've got Laporte done now, you know, 57, whatever it is. And the same with Mahrez. Whereas I think Chelsea now are trying to build something that is sustainable. And they had that, sorry, am I talking too much? No, just a lot, but it's fine. Okay, I'll finish off, right? So I just think that there's Chelsea trying to create something that's sustainable for the next few years now, and it's going to take time. Now, I don't think Conte will necessarily be at Chelsea for five years but I think they should do everything they can to keep him there for three. I don't think he'll be at Chelsea for five months yeah. to be honest yeah. but there you go. But what what I mean though is that okay yeah that's Well I, th- I think
1: I think what what one of the points you're, you're coming across with there is, you know, we've had all the fan reaction, why don't we play the youth? Why don't we do this? Well, actually, Conte seems to have a plan in place for that in the fact that, you know, it's obvious that he's decided Ampadu is good enough as a player to be part of that squad and he can trust him, not just in
0: little cup games. I was going to say, we should actually say about if we've got time to talk about the Newcastle yeah, yeah. game, Ampadu was absolutely excellent. I mean, he looked absolutely assured. He knew exactly what to do. Um, he looked fantastic and I have to say Hudson-Odoi as well when he came on um, he didn't look out of place in fact he looked one of the better players on the pitch Um, which is quite surprising when you think what Conte was saying about um, how he wasn't quite ready and and so on he looked ready to me I know know that's uh, he's not ready Norbert for Newcastle in the cup. He certainly is, but that's the start, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's not forget
1: Ampadu looked ready for Knots Forest earlier in the season, and now, obviously, playing and training every day with the first team squad, he looks ready. He wouldn't let you down in big games.
0: If he played against Bournemouth tomorrow, um, I don't think he would look out of place yeah, in that match. Mid- but, but this is the point I was going
2: to get onto about the, the transition Chelsea are going through. That it takes. Well, my punchline was going to be to steal a line from Swiss Tony. You know, selling the cars, I'd in love to a beautiful woman. Introducing young players and creating a team for the future is like making love to a beautiful woman. You know, you do it slowly. But um, I just think that over time... <laughs> oh, I've got awful thoughts going through me, Ed. Now, why did you have to do that? Oh.
1: At least they my, can't my only see My I
0: take I, I, I hope... That it's a strategy at Chelsea. I hope it's long term. strategy. That's my worry is it's not. And my oh, worry is know. that we just react to every yeah. short term thing. It's like we win the title and everybody says, uh, and "I think the board says, well, we've got the players we we, we want now." And they and they, we have a terrible transfer window. Yeah, we suffer the next season and then they sort of you know fling some money at some players and you know and it seems to be a sort of um, recurrent cycle that we never ever build on success. Yeah, and I don't think anyone outside of the
2: boardroom knows whether it's a long-term um, yeah. plan or not because mm. you know i'm just doing this from observations you know this is just me looking at it, thinking maybe that maybe this is what they're doing you know the way that they've integrated christensen this season and coming from exeter conte's looked at him and he's been you know um, promoted over the likes of clark salter and other defenders at the club that have been there for you know kyle scott yeah in, in to midfield yeah and tomorrow as well he's gone on loan to hull yeah and i just think you look at it and you just think that there there maybe is a plan there where they're curbing spending because they've got a massive stadium they've got to pay for. But what they're doing is they are gradually having this implementation of players it's, coming in
1: don't you think it's, it's like an old-fashioned way was was when your players were injured you know somebody from the, one of the junior teams would get the call up I'll never forget Boxing Day when I think it was Steve Sherwood got a call up and
0: who was yeah, like our first oh, ever Chelsea game I okay
1: yeah. you know and he you know he got there late and everything you know and that's how it used to be and it feels a bit like this oh so-and-so's injured so-and-so's injured oh we'll get one of the boys in And it's not quite like that. They've worked out. But I think Conte, for however long he stays, has obviously worked out who's who's right, who's not right, who needs to go out on loan. It's obvious with what's happened to Ruben Loftus-Cheek that he needed to go out on loan because they had no idea if he could survive a full season. We now know at this moment in time he can't. And it would have been really frustrating to have him at the club get him looking good and then you don't see him for months or like the rest of the season is going to happen. And I think he's got a plan as to who needs to go out and get game time and he knows other players who actually will just fit in and will actually
2: survive by being there. And Anyway, we we should... Just to conclude my point, which will take me 20 seconds, is that this is why I think that the club have got to do the utmost to keep Conte for another season and just see out the contract. One, obviously for personal reasons, I, you know... I'm enamoured with the guy and I think he's doing a great job at Chelsea regardless of the fact whether that shot corridor or only third in the table. But I think looking at Chelsea from 10 years ago, the, the team that won the Champions League in 2012 should have won the Champions League before then. And what happened at Chelsea is when Jose came in in 2004... He inherited a team that was in an upward trajectory from Ranieri because of the year that he had under um, Abramovich's first season. But what he did is he solidified that spine of Chelsea, which the club dined out for the next for the next eight years. But the position we're in now is that if we start chopping and changing managers, that it might have worked in the past because they had the spine that they could revolve everything around. Right now, that isn't there. And I think that Conte is managing this transition very well. And I think that in two or three years time that that will bear fruit. But I just think that now if there's knee-jerk reactions from him and the club and the fans is that it's going to go pear-shaped. And I think at the moment you can see us on the right track. Chelsea reigning champions, they're in the Champions League again. They're going to finish in the top four again. And I think if people are just patient, that you'll you know get the benefits of this in two or three years' time.
1: Yeah, it's a proper transitional period. It's not just a year or whatever. This is a period, and we are going to come again. Anyway, we should just move on quickly to, you know, doing a round-up of what's coming up. We've got Bournemouth coming up um, tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night and Wednesday night. And then we've got Watford away next Monday. So... Quick thoughts about those two games,
0: uh, Rob? Uh, well, Bournemouth, I, I think they're two games we can easily win. I, th- I think the um, both sides are going through a bit of a uh, bad time at the moment. I, uh, I can't remember Bournemouth's latest results. The last time I watched them play, they weren't very good at all. Um, so I think we can, I'll say, 3-1 win. And Watford, again, Watford, they've, they've, they've had documented problems. Should have another manager by next Monday, shouldn't <laughs> Absolutely. Then. Who knows who's the manager of Watford by, by, by Monday week? But um, the, the, the guy they've got in is apparently sort of very defensive-minded, so um, it's going to be hard to score, so I think maybe a 1-0 win.
2: Fair enough. What about you, Gail? Bournemouth, we always play well against them, apart from that when first we time we played them when <laughs> Glenn Murray scored the winner. Yeah. But since then, they, it's just been, they've been cannon fodder, haven't they? So I think that we'll win that game 4-0. Fair be enough. A nice attacking display, Hazard.
0: Giroud trick.
2: Yeah, or Batshuayi to continue to make Chelsea regret spending 18 million maybe. Um, but then I think Watford will be, yeah, a harder nut to crack. And I think that will potentially be a 0-0 draw. Okay, well, I think tomorrow night, I think it'll be a comfortable 2-0 win.
1: Um, uh, Giroud and Batshuayi scoring. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> Remains to be seen. Giroud uh, scoring on the pitch or off because he's got previous in both. He has got oh, pretty very good. good, very good. <laughs> it's people with beards. Um, uh, can, can I just... Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Go on. Well,
1: go on. Cut no, me off.
2: I was premature. You've got to talk about Watford.
1: I don't even want to know. That's, Giroud, Oh, my God. This is going pear-shaped, isn't it? It is. Quickly. And Watford, I think we're going to win 2-1 there. So, you know, six points coming up. Should be good.
2: Right. Well, that's about it. Thank it you. is, but I've just got, you know, I did a shout out for my yoga teacher a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Well, now I've been asked to do another shout out by another yoga enthusiast who listens oh to the, listens God, to, I went boys. to Arsenal with him, Will Wilkinson, who listens while ironing and he said oh can you just mention my name And i said it's okay It's like radio will. one isn't it it is, it is. It's, it's, it's worse loving the show steve yeah so um there we go big will well, it's been, it's you been shared a... tapas with him once
1: oh very nice too mm. yes excellent um well it's a shame we haven't seen your alter ego today but you know he seems to have disappeared <laughs> rob's never i can, heard I can bring him back if you want well do what, you what's say, his name uh, mike Idiot. The, mike's a Maori. <laughs> Mike, Mike the Mechanic.
2: Um, yeah, no, if you've never um, heard before... Well, Mike what? the Maury. if you remember, I said it would be nil nil against Brighton, and he said it would be 4-0. Ah, uh, yeah. So maybe so we should make on. it a theme yeah. that he does these predictions. OK,
1: well, let's have Mike the
2: Maori's, uh prediction time. Oh, bro. Chelsea 5, Bournemouth one E. Eh? And against Watford, what's Gary saying, bro? This is going to be nil nil. Well, he's boring, bro. It's going to be... Watford nil, Chelsea 3 at Vicarage Road, bro.
1: I just wish I could have filmed Rob's face while is that, that a was Canadian Mario. Oh, please. Of <laughs> <laughs> Another one who thinks it's awful. But we you love just,
2: Mike. You're culturally ignorant and you've never been to New Zealand, <laughs> clearly.
0: <laughs> this is
1: true. You
2: is Oh, I tell you, it's the perfect moment
1: to just go away. Thank you Gary as always. Ki ora, and thanks for a lovely
0: lo- lovely
1: to see you as usual.
3: This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links to this podcast at chelseapodcast.com net
1: the chels is backed for the season
3: by ladbrooks if you're a large organization involved in managing purchasing or making decisions on software licenses you need livingston livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licenses to legally use it this information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements which large software publishers like microsoft or ibm and others and when budgeting for software spend to reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses speak to livingston today about our managed services over 50 multinationals across the world trust livingston to manage their software licenses visit livingston-tech.com for more information
0: sports social podcast network